Hey everyone, welcome to Danny Chats. This is episode number 39 and this week I'm joined by liver transplant patient Lisa. Lisa's from the UK, the same as me. Hi Lisa, how are you doing? Hi Danny, I'm fine thanks, how are you? I'm very, very good. So uh, I've been following you on uh, Instagram for a while uh, and I know just because we're on the second take of this that you had your transplant in 2021. That's right, yeah, last October. So I'm just coming up to eight months post. Yeah, that's incredible. So, so, uh, so fresh out the blocks, really. And you look yeah. great. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah, I'm feeling uh, I've had quite a lot of complications post transplant. So my journey's the roller coaster continues. Um, uh, but I'm feeling good at the moment. Thank you. Yeah, I think it's uh, important to sort of tell people about the ups and downs because, sure. you know, there is there are ups and downs to the journey. And yeah. I think some people think that it's all downs and other people think that it's all going to be up. So yeah, yeah. it's there's, good to highlight all this. Mixed, mixed ideas about it all, isn't there? A lot of people think you have a transplant and that's it. You're cured for life. And yeah. for a lot of us, we have diseases that that's not the case. And this is more of a treatment rather than a cure. So there are ups and downs and you've got to ride the highs and take the lows, don't you really? Yeah, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. Um, so let's sort of go back to your the start of your story. So uh, how did you end up finding out that you were going to need this liver transplant? Well, um, my story is starts back in March 2020, just as lockdown hit, really. Um, but really, throughout the family, my story started way before that. My mum yeah. has the same liver disease that I have. So we both have PBC, which is primary biliary cholangitis, previously called primary biliary cirrhosis, but there was um, a petition to change the name because of the stigma that comes with the word cirrhosis. Um, yeah. It's a disease which they haven't done enough science on yet or put, put enough money into it to decide whether it's hereditary or not. But I think everyone in the groups that I'm in for PBC, they've all got a mum, a grandma, an auntie that have all got the same disease. So it does seem to run through families. Yeah. So I probably had it for a lot longer than what I knew. Um, my mum had it, she's had it now for over 25 years and it's, she's just had this liver disease and she's just taken this magic pill and everything's been great and she's been very stable and, you know, touch with long may that continue. Um, so we knew that mama had this we knew about a liver disease that wasn't caused by alcohol um and you know we carried on with normal life and then like in probably about 2019 i started itching a lot sorry about that <laughs> i started itching a lot um and i actually worked on farms and um i worked out on the roads i was in hotels a lot and so I kind of put it down to being on farms that was making me itch or lots of different hotels, um, you know, lots of different beds, that lots of different yeah. people had slept in, all the horrible things you can think of. That's where my mind was kind of going. I wasn't a fan of going to the doctors, ironically. Um, so I kind of stayed away from the doctors and tried different shampoos, different body washes, changing my diet, using a different detergent to wash clothes and things like that. But nothing was taking this itch away and it was getting worse and worse and worse. And I was starting to pull my skin off, starting to bleed. And it was becoming not just at night, but all day. So my mum turned around to me and said, I want you to go and get a blood test. Itching is a sign of, of a liver disease. Um, so just for peace of mind, Go, go and get one done. So I phoned the doctors, got one booked in, went in at 10 o'clock in the morning, um, had the bloods, thought nothing of it. And then about 11 o'clock that night, I had a no caller ID. 
Wow. Um, a, a thing which would come very familiar over the next yeah. two years. Um, and they said, we're sending an ambulance. We need to get you into hospital. I wow. said, no, 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 stop. I've, I've got two dogs. I'm not leaving them on their own. I feel fine. Why are you sending me an ambulance? So, you know, the short of it is my bloods were through the roof. Um, they were really bad. They actually thought I had a gallbladder problem. Um, they thought that something was going on with my gallbladder. They'd need to get me in, get it taken out as quickly as possible. Uh, so I agreed with them after doing like a self-check, which they talked me through, to go into hospital the next day. Had some more tests. Um, this is when I told them that my mum had PPC, so they tested for that. And it came back that I had PPC. Yeah. So, that, yeah, as I said, that was um, around March and April, over those two months that we did these tests and MRI scans and ultrasounds and all the other stuff that comes along with the liver disease. Um, it all happened over, over that period of time, just at the beginning of lockdown. Yeah. So uh, you say you mentioned that they don't know whether that's a, a hereditary disease. Mm -hmm. But do you think if you had possibly been tested for that earlier, that, that you could have taken that tablet that your mum was on? I take it that's yeah. that's. Yeah, I think so. I'm actually unresponsive to that tablet, hence why I've ended oh. up having a liver transplant. Um, so... <laughs> so they did put you on it. It was mm -hmm. they did put you on it. Your liver hadn't got to a point where it needed. Nope. Uh, okay yeah they put me on they put me on the tablet um my liver wasn't cirrhosed or anything like that there was a oh. bit of fibrosis which is the stage before cirrhosis there um so you know i got diagnosed with ppc they put me on a so deoxycholic acid which is this tablet my mum was on and i thought great i can carry on with my normal life because my mum's carried on with a normal life for 25 yeah. years and everything you know everything will be fine um so they put me on this on this tablet and i had to continue having bloods just so they could keep checking what was happening whilst I was starting on new medication and it's uh, at the time it was the only licensed medication for PBC yeah. so um, my bloods were declining every week week on week decline 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 and in quite thick numbers as well so they wanted to do a biopsy which used to be the old way of diagnosing liver disease but now they they try not to do biopsies they yeah. can do it through blood tests and things as you know so they decided to do a bi the biopsy and um, so I went in and had that done and it came back that I had a very aggressive variant of PBC, something called ductopenia. So with PBC, um, it's your bile ducts within the liver are being affected. Um, lots of our friends have got PSC, which is a similar disease. There's lots of similarities, but the bile ducts on the outside as well as the inside are being affected. Okay. So my bile ducts on the, in, uh, on the inside of my liver are all starting to narrow. Um, that's what PBC does. They start to get blocked slowly over time. Then there's less function, causing a backup of bile in the liver, which then causes cirrhosis. Yeah. Um, mine weren't blocking slowly or narrowing slowly. They were just disappearing. Um, so in my biopsy, in the very tiny, minute bit that they took, they should have been able to see 15 bile ducts. Um, they could see two. Oh, wow. So, uh, yeah, so that... That was the problem then at that point i've got a different variant of pbc to what my mum had um and the esodeoxycholic acid isn't working yeah so they tried me on lots of different things then over a period of uh, about a year um lo there's lots of different options unlicensed options but let's try this let's try this you know um just trying to keep you going for as long as you they can without transplants yeah yeah so then uh that that didn't work the tablet didn't work unfortunately so yeah. then they they must have sort of sat you down and said um we're going to put you on the transplant list 
Yeah, so my itching was getting worse and worse and worse. So the symptoms of the disease were just, were, they were becoming unbearable. I had no quality of life at all. I wasn't sleeping. So I had sleep reversal as well. So I was fatigued by day, which is a big symptom of liver disease. Um, and then by night, the minute I'd get into bed, thing you know it was yeah. insomnia i was going down the beach walking at four o'clock in the morning with my dog because it just needed to get out of bed and out of the house and yeah. rest, rest its legs so quality of life was becoming really affected and that's when my consultant at exeter which is my local hospital said um we've got one more tablet to try it's a steroid tablet and if after this this doesn't work we've got no other options but to discuss transplant so that was a bit of a shocker for me i wasn't you know because this had never been discussed in my mum's history yeah. of the disease i wasn't really expecting it um so we tried the steroids um for three months actually but very quickly on in that three months we could see it wasn't working i was having continuous decline um and so that's when yeah that's when my hospital exeter reached out to king's college in london um and asked to discuss uh me as a patient for transplants yeah so that's all moved quite quickly for you really you know trying all yeah. these different meds and hoping that they were going to work and then within like a year i suppose ending up on the transplant list yeah really quickly compared to some like um you know lots of people with lots of different varying diseases like yourself it can it can be a much longer yeah. period of time it can get diagnosed much earlier um, and yes, if I had a blood test much earlier and they would have had an AMA positive, which shows you've got P a PVC, then I would have been diagnosed a lot earlier and um, over time that the symptoms would have got worse. So I would have ended up in the same place because I yeah. was unresponsive to the medication. So no one's at fault or anything. It's no, just no. one of those things. Um, I, I just lived you know, um, asymptomatically for so long. Um, yeah. So yeah, the transplant discussions came along. Uh, that was in the, must have been the March, April of 21. I had part of my assessment at Exeter and then had the rest of the assessment up at King's College in London. Did um, you have to go and stay at King's for a couple of days? Did you do yeah, that? Yeah, well, um, I wasn't an inpatient. We did it as an outpatient. Yeah. Um, so that was good. And I had uh, three other people being assessed at the same time as outpatients. And because I'd done a lot of the tests at Exeter already, uh, yeah. day two of what would have been the test day at King's, they all went off with their schedule of where to be for what yeah. test. Um, I'd already done all of that, so I only had to do really one one and a half days at King's. They, they ended up calling me back in because one of my bloods, the main blood that they need when a, a match comes in, they match it against, um, it wasn't viable, so they needed an extra tube for yeah. that. So yeah that's so important that is that that's the most important yeah. <laughs> i'm really, really sorry we can't wait until your next test we'll yeah. that one now because yeah. i've missed you without it so luckily I, I was in the area still so i just went back in and had that done and then yeah. um yeah they have the big discussion as you know on the friday the mdt meeting and then i got the call about one o'clock on the friday afterwards in uh, in end of may <coughs> last year saying that that's it yeah Molly. you've been listed Molly, come in Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. I've got two downstairs. <laughs> yeah, you should have brought them up. They could have said for that. Like a while. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I mean, that was kind of leading me to the point of your dogs and stuff. Then, because you know, uh, Exeter and Kings not that close. Um, <laughs> Molly, shush, please. 
so, you know, your life's obviously changed quite a lot. Did you have to stop work? What did you think about the dogs? You know, what was your plans at the time? So, for me, and I don't think there's a way of saying this without it sounding awful, but I don't mean it in an awful way at all. COVID helped. Yeah. Because um, I was locked down. We proved it at work. We could all work from home. Um, hospitals were shut down, you know, to an extent. Um, and... Uh, people stopped socialising and stuff and it was at a time where although alcohol didn't cause my disease um, if I was to continue drinking alcohol it means I would have a quicker decline because yeah, of we course. all know alcohol's not good on the liver yeah, so I yeah. stopped drinking in that time people weren't going to the pubs yeah. so for me it came at if, if it was going to come at any time at all it came at the best time it could yeah. so I was working from home in the home office no problem at all that was great um a really supportive team at work uh, I miss them dearly at the moment I can't wait to get back to work um uh, at the time when did I have to stop working so I went in the itching was so bad I've been listed for transplant that was on the 2nd of June last year um I was on the waiting list and to give me some kind of respite, because they obviously don't know when a match is going to come in. Yeah. To give me some kind of respite, they wanted to put a nasobiliary drain in. So they put a drain in my liver, in my bile duct, and it came up and out through my nose. And that was the way for me to drain the bile off my liver that was getting stuck stagnant within my liver, causing extra damage and causing me to itch. Yeah. So does so, that mean you've got, where's the drainage bag from that then? Um, I haven't got it now. Um, no, but where I was that? It, sorry. So you come out your nose, nose and, and then I had a, um, I carried a bum bag and wow. put, the, put the bag in there and wow. yeah, that carried round and then I'd just drain it probably three, sometimes four times a day. Wow. That's um, a lot. Yeah. Um, but it was amazing. Well, I say it was amazing. So I went in and had the RCP, which is the procedure to have the nasobiliary drain put in. Done at King's. It was under general anaesthetic. That was my first ever general anaesthetic, actually. And I was quite pleased because it meant I got a trial run before the big yeah. day. Um, so I kind of knew the process and, and all that kind of stuff. I've never stayed in hospital before, so it was oh. all, all a bit new. So went in and unfortunately, when I woke up, uh, there was lots of risks. Not very many, not many people have a nasobiliary drain anymore. They just don't do it. Um, so I was told about all these risks. Um, and one of the main ones, like any ERCP procedure, your pancreas can get knocked and pancreatitis is a big risk. And when I woke up, I knew I had pancreatitis. So I ended up staying in hospital for a week um, with the nasobiliary drain in and with pancreatitis uh, on, you know, but high antibiotics, high pain relief and all the rest of it. Um, so it got me used to having the drain in, uh, which was great. And then I came out and probably by the time I came out, which was like seven days, the itching had started to stop. So yeah. it had to, all the bile that was in my liver had to come out first. Yeah. Um, and then it had just the natural way of working as a normal body would just clear that bile out. Um, that's what my tubes started doing for me. And um, I loved it. I absolutely loved my tube because it gave me such a relief. I could sleep. Yeah. I wasn't itching as much, you know, but there was still a bit of insomnia there. There was still a bit of itching there because um, it was never going to take all the bile out, but it made a huge difference, a huge difference to my quality of life. Um, and the and I'm really competitive and I was told <laughs> that no one's ever kept a nasobiliary drain in for more than 10 weeks. So I was like, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to do it. Yeah, I'm going to do it. So the weeks passed, week one, week two, week three. And I was like, this is great. But as that time went on, my liver functions, which were already bad, were already in the thousands. 
started getting worse and worse and worse again mm. um, and they started threatening we're gonna have to take it out and I was like no no I need to keep this thing in not just for the competitive now but just for the fact that I was petrified of going back to itching the amount I was yeah um, we got to nine weeks and four days I was gutted and they said it has to come out oh um, so close to the end so close so close that you know it, it is what it is so I was in London my husband works in London so um, we, we were up there at up there anyway and they said come in we're gonna we're gonna take it out and I was like do I really need to spend 30 quid on an uber to come in for you to pull a tube out and they were like no and I said and the nurse that's going to pull it out you do them that infrequently likely message she's never pulled one out either and they were like true and I said I'm gonna do it no and I said yeah I want to do it and they said okay right if you're gonna do it this is what you need to watch out for if you get any snagging or anything then you need to stop straight away and come in and and all the rest of it so i stood there braced myself in front of them my husband didn't know what to do with himself he was just my eyes are watering yeah trying to rub my back and so i went with it yeah because that's a long way to go it's It's not like it's just in a little little bit that's like (laughs) pulling and pulling and pulling that must be such a weird sensation Oh, yeah. and where they put it in, where it's put into the bile duct, it's done with like a pigtail. Ooh. So that bit was fine. I could feel it. I could feel it all coming up through my body. I knew exactly where it was. The end of it was at any point. And then when it got to my throat, I was there was a bit of trouble, and I was like, I don't know how I'm going to get this out through my nose. And I pulled it out of my mouth so I could see the end of it. Oh. It was like a pigtail. And at that point. And if anyone's watching this who's got a nasobiliary drain and decide to take your own out, snip the end off at that point. Yeah, good idea. I didn't. I went for it and I just went, mum, I've got it all on video. I videoed it. Um, And yeah, so I pulled it out and um, they they, they couldn't believe it either. Didn't need to go in. That was great. Saved yourself 30 quid. Yeah, so each way, save myself yeah. six. Oh, there you go, that's well and worth it. Time, yeah. taking a day. I wouldn't have had a nurse waiting for me when I arrived at the hospital just yeah, for me, yeah. you know. So, yeah, saved a whole day as well. Um, and my poor nose, where this tube had been sat for so long, was totally deformed. <laughs> and I was that's like, it. my nose is never going to go back to normal. <laughs> Took a couple of days, and it, and it did go back to normal, thankfully. So that was end of July, end of August, end of September. Um, and then my uh, the itching came back, the sleepless nights came back, my bloods were declining still, they were talking about putting another one back in, um, and then my call came. So that came in the October. Yeah. So I wasn't on the list. Was that the long. first call? First call, yeah. yeah. So um, because I knew so many people who'd had false calls, I think you had you had one, didn't you? I had you? three, three you false three? calls, and then oh, the fourth gosh. one I got lucky, yeah. Oh gosh, um, so every, pretty much, Everyone bar one person I knew had had an amount of false calls. So I was in London at the time because I was going out to have a cancer scan. Um, And that my sister got married on the Friday. I went to London on the Monday and I had the cancer scan on the Wednesday. Monday um, night, I called the hospital, King's, and I said, I've got this 
tingling all over my body. It's been going on for a little while, but I haven't told you up until now because I had my sister's wedding and I knew that I, I was worried that you were going to call me in and I would yeah. miss it. Um, but it's all over. I'm pacing. It's not the itch. I've got the itch as well. It's something different. And she said, um, call 111. I don't think it's your liver. Um, and I want you to go to UCL emergency room. Just explain the situation to them. So off I went to UCL. My husband was waiting outside because no one was allowed in with anybody. Um, and I sat down, checked in, had all my obs done, sat down, quarter past nine in the evening, and my phone went, no caller ID. Didn't think anything of it, because I'd already spoke to somebody at King's. So yeah. I picked it up, and this time it wasn't Tiffany, it was another one, it was Grace, another one of the coordinators. And she just said, Lisa, and I said, hi Grace, I'm here, I'm at UCL, I spoke to Tiffany earlier, I'm just waiting for my appointment. And she said, okay, I don't know anything about that, and I'm not calling for that. <laughs> We've got you a liver. And I was just like, I can't even what? say what they said. I swore as well. Yeah, yeah. Everybody who was sat in that waiting room were just going, what is going on? <laughs> so she said, wait there. Um, we, we don't have a bed yet. And if we don't have a bed, it can't go ahead. So I thought, why did you ring me yeah. and tell me you've got a match, but you no haven't bed. got a bed? She said, just give me half an hour. I'm going to find you a bed. It won't be on a liver ward, but we'll find you one and we'll call you back. Um, so she said, stay there and keep that appointment just in case. So I sat there, um, called my family, let them know what was going on. Um, much, I think I entertained everybody in that waiting room. Yeah, so I bet. In. Yeah, they were all listening to what was going on. And then Grace called back and she said, we've got a bed. So oh, make your way over. Yeah, so I, I, got a, I got a black cab to my liver transplant. <laughs> That's good. So good. Is that how that all worked out in timing as well? Couldn't, couldn't have been better. My sister's wedding, being yeah. in London, because I was really dreading. When you're a patient at King, you, you were Kings, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. If you live a distance, they pick you up by ambulance. And yeah. I'm five and a half hours away, and I'm a really crap passenger. Really? And I thought, God, they're not going to let me take any stooge on. I was really getting worked up about, yeah. not about having my body opened up and a new organ fit in. The five hour travel. The five hours ambulance journey yeah. was freaking me out more than anything. Um, so the fact that I was in London, you know, I was there. It all worked out really well. And um, my husband and I went on in. We never expected it to go ahead. I was fully primed for a false call. Um, and that was like, I got in there about 11 o'clock in the evening. 11 o'clock the next morning, in walked the surgeon with the paperwork. So at that point, I knew it was going ahead. Yeah, I because I had uh, the three false calls and the fourth wow. one, I had it. I wasn't, even when I was lying on the surgery bed, I was just Didn't expecting them to go, yeah, I was expecting them to go, Oh, actually, it's just not right, you know. So, yeah. so yeah, it wasn't until I woke up and I sort of, you know, looked down. And I was like, wow, it's definitely happened. It's happened. Yeah, because yeah, some people get right to the point; they get put to sleep, and then they wake up and it hasn't happened. No, see, that's yeah. that's exactly what I was expecting. But yeah. I had to imagine that. So yeah, that I mean. <laughs> That would just be awful, wouldn't it? It's had a really long sleep, yeah. <laughs> waking up and being like, yeah, it's done. And then, no, it's not. Oh, no, that would be awful. Yeah, false calls, and especially to that extent. Um, I, I was prepared for them. I obviously didn't want that to happen. Um, but and I, and I always feel for people who go through them. Because you see on the, you know, the support groups on Facebook and stuff, people saying, I've had my call, I'm going in. And then yeah. a couple hours later, you see them saying mm, it wasn't it wasn't meant to be. Yeah. So. It, yeah. It wasn't the hospital that really prepared me for it. I don't think they might have mentioned that it might not happen on the first time. But it was someone again like, that I'd met on social media. And uh, they just said to me, 
you know be prepared for it to, to happen a couple of times you know yeah same for me that, that again the hospital said it in the educational session that you have to have but it didn't sink in from what they said yeah. social media definitely yeah. where I, I learned from other patients going through the same thing yeah so, so well, well we're talking about social media did you um go on social media before your transplant and you know seek out all these people that had gone through it how how did you approach it so I, I've always had an, not always had an Instagram page, but I've had an Instagram page for a long time, for years, and it was actually um, Slimming World page. There are other diets out there. Um, yeah. So it was a Slimming World page, and I, if you scroll back on my page, it's just all my food, breakfast, yeah. lunch, and dinner, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and that's all it was. It was my motivation for an account to keep myself fit and healthy, and it helped other people in the meantime. So that's where the majority of my following came from, actually, yeah. originally was from Swimming World. Um, and then, yeah, I, I got diagnosed, and I'm one of those people that um, previously, before my diagnosis, I couldn't even watch casualty you know no. doctors no i couldn't watch anything like that um i was awful i worked with vets so i could deal with animal surgeries and things like that but actual humans no so um i got diagnosed and my whole mindset just changed instantly and i found mm. myself youtubing liver transplants and you know and going on social media and looking for the support group starting on facebook moving into instagram and yeah and finding people who were using hashtags yeah. like liver transplant pbc king's college hospital you know that kind of stuff and started building on this community and then that's when my page kind of flipped because i thought i've got a real opportunity here i've got quite a big following um through food um and the best thing. An opportunity yeah to to show people what transplants mean mm. um what liver diseases mean the, you know changing the stigma around liver disease what um organ donation is all about and really raising awareness to get people to sign on to that register and talk to their family and and do something for the greater good at a later date yeah i've noticed like your your page is very focused on sharing information and yeah and yeah just generally raising awareness and it's really good because uh i had thoughts on my page early on was like should i just just talk about liver transplant stuff but since then i've had people that obviously have followed me through not liver transplant stuff but then they're they're seeing this stuff which is good for them yeah absolutely yeah i did lose quite a bit of my following at first because not everybody who is on instagram looking at breakfast lunch and dinner and getting meal ideas wants to see you know a, a liver <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and that's absolutely fine that's people's choice but then at the same time a lot of my um following on there that i was getting messages saying wow i can't believe what you've been through what you're going through i didn't realize liver liver diseases were caused by other things uh, other than yeah. alcohol and drugs um and they, they were starting to learn through me and then there was people who were getting these symptoms and were going off to the doctors and getting checked out, you know, which is huge. That's massive. Yeah. Um, because if they're checked out early and those magic pills do work for them, it can stop them from getting to that, yep. the, the stage of going through the risk of having a, a transplant. And then more importantly, um, you have people coming up and saying, I've just registered to become an organ donor. <laughs> so, oh, there's mine. She needs to go. Uh, yeah, we'll just have to. It I'll might be something to... for Two seconds. Sorry about that. Don't worry. I love all your plants. 
Yeah, yeah, it's like a little jungle in here. I started collecting plants when um, when I signed up for my transplant. So um, it kind of, because I, I was off work, it kind of gave me a little focus and like yeah. a, a kind of reason to live. It sounds a bit bit much, no, but, uh, you know, it was like they, they depended on me and, you know, it just to water them and take them outside and give them a clean every now and then. And yeah, yeah it was just, uh, and then now it's out of control. I've just got loads of them. They're just everywhere. It's good though. It's good for the oxygenation in the room and all that kind of stuff. This yeah. is my home office, and I got loads of cactus and stuff because I find when I'm working, I'm sitting, I'm sat in here for you know eight hours a day. So yeah. it's important. It's good. It's nice yeah. to have a focus, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And oddly, I'm really bad with cactuses. I forget to water them, and I know I know they only need small bits, but I forget for so long, and then they end up just shriveling up and dying. Do you know the tip with cactuses is to put a ice cube in them? Uh, that's a good one so it just melts in slowly yeah there you yeah. go top tips top tips top tips top so tips. yeah and like you with your plants that's what gave you your focus um raising awareness of organ donation for me was what gave me my focus and sharing my journey and um you know removing some of that stigma that, it, it is all about finding a focus isn't it yeah yeah so then how long were you in kings after your operation uh, 14 days, exactly. 14 days. And did you have the drainage bags on your hips as well? I, I did until, so I had the, um, when were my drains removed? My neck came out whilst I was in, um, in ICU, a two neck, so I woke up without them, which was good. Um, and then my, my hip drains, they came out probably on day five. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Same as the catheter, that all came out day four, day five, I think. So. Yeah. Yeah, they so were... good. I only had 12 hours in ICU um, yeah. and then onto the ward. What, how long were you on for? I think yeah, I wasn't in ICU for very long. Uh, yeah. I woke up from surgery early. Um, <laughs> earlier than the next thing. <laughs> they said, still open, I hope. <laughs> no, no, no. I was fully, fully, fully back, uh, back in the, like, on the ward and stuff. But um, they told my sister I wouldn't be awake till the next day. And then I woke up that oh. evening. And I, I was super hungry. So my dad was there, luckily. He went off and got me an ice lolly because obviously nice. you're not allowed to eat anything yeah um apart from ice that's what they fed me for like it felt like 24 it felt like days but i think it was just 24 hours yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and then it's yeah, funny I... you say that because i woke up in icu uh, i don't remember this um and i asked the nurse who was looking after me for the phone and i gave her my husband's telephone number and he came on the line obviously was not expecting to hear from me and he did yeah. lots of updates along the way so he was just expecting it to be another update call and i said I didn't say hello, I just said, I'm really thirsty, I need you to bring in Ribena, 7-Up, Dr Pepper, <laughs> Coke, water and a straw. All <laughs> and the then, drinks. Then handed the phone back. <laughs> All the drinks. <laughs> yeah, the thirst, the, the thirst was just unreal. Yeah. I wasn't yeah. hungry though. I wasn't hungry for de for probably even months. I lost all my appetite completely. Really? Mm. Yeah, there's quite a few people that I see have happened to. Uh, obviously, that's why they give you steroids and stuff after the operation, isn't it, to help help yeah. with that? I think yeah. I've always been blessed with a big appetite, so you know that didn't go. Um, yeah, so it's good that he wasn't in. Well, no, fourteen days you say he was in for. Fourteen afterwards. days. Yeah. Uh, it's not they, too they long. They wanted to um, move me back to my local hospital. And actually someone across the way, Steve and Lisa, a lovely couple I met, he came in, I think two days after me and had his from Plymouth. Um, he actually got repatriated down to Derryford on day seven or something like that. Yeah. 
but um, I didn't want to go to Plymouth. I refused to go to Plymouth. So I was like, no, you can keep me here. So Stay um, Kings. My, because my husband got the flat in London, um, I managed to, I don't think they were going to let me go because I had rejection on day five. Um, so there was lots of things going on. Um, but when we got to day 14, I proved to them I could walk on my own. I was eating. I could go to the toilet on my own and I could have a shower. And I'd done the stairs down to Costa and Marks and Spencer's. Yeah. The stairs backing up a couple of times. So they were quite happy. I made it my mission to be in that corridor and walking whenever it was doctor's rounds. Yeah. So I would be proof one point. constantly in the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If they came and changed my bed, I'd go up to the top because I was in room eight. Were you in? What, where, where were you? uh i can't honestly remember yeah. to be honest i think were, were we talking about it yeah, Someone, we did. yeah, yeah. I saw a picture. we, I thought we, we were on were the roommate. same room yes yeah, yes you were roommates as well next to the nurses station yeah 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 so, yeah so i made it my mission doctors rounds i would be out in the corridor when they were changing my bed i'd go up to um the little waiting room at the very yeah. front of todd ward um so i just basically annoyed everybody until they were like get out of here yeah, yeah. um and because my husband um is just down the road in Westminster. I, I said, I can go and stay there and I'll stay in London for a few more days. So if you need me back in quickly, I can get back in. And they were quite happy with that. So they let yeah. me go and do that. And then yeah. I came back to Devon. Yeah. So. Well, that, that ward space is uh, vital. They don't want to keep people there longer than they need to. Because when Definitely they said not. when they said I could go home, they literally said you could go home. I had to be packed up within an hour. My sister took an a hour. few hours to get there, and they were like, "Right, you got to go and wait in that waiting room now. Like you're you're gone, they you're out." Same to me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I actually um I called the sister in and I said, "This is really bad, actually, how you're treating me right now. You've been all been amazing for two weeks. Now you're making me really frightened, actually. Like yeah. the way you're trying to push me out." out. Um, and I said it to my consultant because he came in as well, and I said what had happened, and he said, "I'll sort that out." And then the sister came back in and she went take as long as you want we'll get your lunch and because I was like my husband's at work he's got to get over here it's, it's not as, as quick and easy as that yeah, I'm not going to yeah. carry anything how can I put my suitcase on the bed yeah you know? exactly so they do that. they rush you back out don't yeah. they in preparation yeah. for the next person so yeah. you know you, you just got to do what you know just gotta get out <laughs> yeah well that that time they said to me get out go and sit in the waiting room so i was in the waiting room and there was a guy in there that i'd seen on the ward and he told me that he had had his liver transplant a good few years ago he mm. moved to spain and stopped taking his medication was drinking oh. sangrias and everything oh. and he told me this horrific story so he'd been in a coma for so long uh they couldn't cut his nails so his nails overgrew all because he didn't take his medicine he just said to me just make sure you take your meds so that was like anti-rejection drugs yeah yeah stopped oh. it and he was like he said he was out in in spain he was eating the oranges that he shouldn't he was drinking sangria yeah and you know everything that he shouldn't and uh yeah and wow. then you know his life really changed he said you know his family all left him and it's such a big big uh downfall in his life that i was like oh, yes shame. make sure you take your meds, take your meds. Take yeah your meds. yeah yeah no i'm a stickler for my meds thank goodness it, for me, it's like I have like this routine. Sundays are pharmacy days for me, and I sit down. I do two weeks worth. Um, I keep, you know, your anti-rejection is supposed to be out of its packet, so I just cut round those and pop them into my pill pots. And it can change any time. I'm still on weekly bloods at the minute. Eight months on, it's crazy. Oh. Yeah, it's because I have had um, I've had a stent put in since the transplant. I've had cholangitis two or three times i've had sepsis i've had covid i've even had scarlet fever really you know, you've like, had everything 
Paris, thank God this. I was like, I'm next for monkeypox. I'm down for monkeypox. <laughs> What's going on? I was like, it's like the 1800s. Any yeah. disease I can pick up, I'm picking up. So I've been in and out, in and out. Um, so unfortunately, most people by eight months are down to monthly bloods. Yeah. Three monthly clinics. I'm not quite there yet, but I'm still very grateful for all the help that I'm receiving. Yeah, was, you're very, very upbeat for it because it can be it can be very wearing i mean it can. i was yeah. uh i don't want to use the word lucky but i was like i was already um i'd had a lot of experience in hospitals and everything like this before uh from my teenage years so yeah. to go into hospital wasn't a shock i'd been to king's i've been going to king's every year since i've been a teenager yeah, so, so that wasn't a shock and... yeah so you know all of that to do after you know for not going and and your attitude is very very good because that could break some people yeah and i've always been that really annoying over positive person anyway um i've always been that and and i've really made a point to myself you know and i agree with you, you shouldn't use the word lucky because we wouldn't be in this position in the first place yeah. um uh, but <laughs> I just think to myself, I'm still alive, I'm still here, I can change something if yeah. one person signs up to the organ donation register, although I'm not asking them to die, do you know what I mean, I'm just, <laughs> just sign up, so yeah, when, yeah. When, when you're 70 and it does sadly happen, but hopefully in your sleep at night, I'm not asking you to go and have a horrible death or anything, you might be able to go on and save some more people, yeah. and if I just have one person that does that and goes on and saves, you know, between two and nine people, then... You know, I'm oh, I'm quite happy with what I've been through. It is what it is, and I think yeah. you've just got to embrace it and you know look at all the wins. You know, yeah. and take some time for yourself when you have a low day. Accept it. Have a low yeah. day, and either you know hide yourself away from the world if that's how how um, how you do best in that situation, or speak to other people like yourself who have been through something similar. Yeah. yeah, I think that's important to accept that, you know, there are going to be days where you're really not feeling good about yourself and good about everything that's going on, which is a, a, a reasonable, reasonable um, emotion to have, really. 100%. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. But, absolutely. But, but know that you're going to you get to the end of it and it's and it's all worth it. Yeah, absolutely. The sunshine's always after a rainstorm. So yeah, exactly. you just gotta kinda of roll with it and you know, do your best and, and embrace the people that are around you, whether that be family, whether it be friends, whether it be, you know, the transplant coordinator, whoever is your support network, embrace it and pull yeah. on it when you need it. And you know, and just I think the most important thing for people, people like us, is to educate yourself. Um, I think doctors, your consultants really appreciate it. If you go in and you know what you're talking about and you stand up for yourself and if you don't agree with something, you speak up. Yeah. Uh, I think I think they really appreciate that. I, they had a, I'm on the, the tacrolimus the seesaw at the moment. One week it's too high, one week it's too low and we've all been there and mine's just ongoing. It's, it's constant and every week we're changing. Um, and I was like, why aren't you putting me on 5.5 mig? You know, why are we going five, six, five, six? And um, they were like, because the doses that they supply. And I was like, this drug is available in 0.75. We can, I found we can do it. it. Yeah. We can make it. And they were like, is it? <laughs> you know, so they were like, well, fine, let's try it. And for two weeks, I've been stable. So yes. I think they really like it if you educate yourself, you own your disease, your own you know your your life as an, an immunosuppressed person which is what we are and you you know you you make the best out of it but you challenge things and yes yeah. i think it's really important
Yeah, because I suppose, I mean, as a doctor, you are an expert, but you're not an expert in that one field. Like that, that disease isn't your only thing. So they've got no. to know a lot about everything. So it must be very yeah. hard to stay up. And medication's constantly changing and yeah. research yeah. is constantly changing. It must be hard. Exactly. A lot of people have got a big, you know, a big issue with GPs and liver disease. And like you say, like GPs especially, they know a little tiny bit of everything. Yeah. Like these are the people that you go into, you know, first response, and they then refer on to the specialists. And even yeah. the specialists, they're not looking after one disease. They're looking after many diseases. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so it, it is really up to you to know to know how it feels. And also these people very rarely, I'm sure it happens at some point, but very rarely have they got the disease themselves. Yeah. Um, do they understand what you've been through? So they're just trying to pull from their patients as much information for them to learn to then pass yeah. on to the next patient. So I think open honesty, being really transparent, sticking up for yourself, educating yourself. I think they, they're really important fundamental things of having a disease and owning it. Um, like the amount of people, you must get it as well. You don't look ill. You don't look like you've had a liver transplant. You know, you don't, it, it's yeah. so, it can be so frustrating. Um, uh, but you just got to go, thank you. That's great. <laughs> Cheers. I'll thank take you. it. Yeah. It's like when, uh, um, before when I was having to use disabled parking spaces because I couldn't walk very far, um, someone came up to me and said, this is a disabled parking space. And I said, yeah, I'm well aware. Thanks very much. Um, and they said, well, you don't look disabled. So my response to that is, well, you don't look like a doctor. You yeah. Know? There's no point in getting into an argument about it. No. Just say something which is going to make them think, you know, reflect on what they've just done and um, hopefully not do it to somebody else. So, yeah. Yeah, the uh, disabled parking space thing is a funny one because I used to look up to people with learning disabilities and obviously yeah. if they're in the car and we, I can jump out and go and get them some shopping while they're in the car, but you do get people who say all sorts of stuff to you. And it's like, Absolutely. what do you want me to make him crawl into Tesco's to prove a point? Like It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. It's like, why, when did you get so much time on your hands to look and see who is parking where and yeah. make it your business? Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it's that's, that's their problem, not ours. Yeah. Sure. I think in terms of generally with my liver transplant and stuff, everyone's just been really curious. Yeah. Um, because before I had Wilson's disease, like I've been lucky, like the liver transplant cured my Wilson's disease, but I never really wanted to talk about Wilson's disease because it's Wilson's disease. And when you start telling people disease, they're a bit like, yeah. ooh, that works, what's that? It? Yeah. Like, yeah. ooh, can I catch it and stuff? So yeah. Yeah. never, yeah. Do you feel more confident talking about it now, though? Yeah, definitely. I never, I never did uh, any talking about it before my transplant. Uh, I never really, even before my transplant, I didn't really reach out to many transplant patients. It was only yeah. afterwards um, that I did all of this and and wanted to find out more. Really, yeah. That's amazing. So I, I don't know a huge amount about Wilson's disease. I'm sorry. So, but That's it right. was cured through transplant. Yeah, cured That's through amazing. transplant. Yeah, very, very lucky. Um, yeah, that works. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so now it's that's just great. obviously the uh, the transplant medication. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, that, and that's a disease in itself, isn't it? Being an immunosuppressed person. Yeah, yeah. Um, but again, going back to COVID, I actually think it's done people like us um, a favour in, in, a, in, a, in a strange way again, because now people understand isolation. They understand masking up. They understand yeah. vulnerable people. They understand vaccination a lot better than what they did before. So I think actually all of that, you know, all of those six o'clock um, 
where we go and watch the private yeah, thing and do his talk. Actually, it was if you look, flip it over and look at it another way, it's like a massive educational session. Yeah. Um, and all these people who have never been affected by a disease, by immunosuppression, by a transplant, they've just suddenly learned so much and they've suddenly got so much more respect for what's going on in other yeah. people's lives, whether they look like they're ill or not. Um, and now they, they're all to a level better educated on how to be around other people even if they have just got a common cold because yeah. that to us can be deadly yeah. so it's i think it's you know it's, it's good that the world has opened up its eyes a bit and they recognize vulnerable people um a bit more which is yeah. which is good because you know unfortunately with immunosuppression even though like you say it's your transplant is good wilson's disease you're now immunosuppressed for the rest of your life because yeah. your your body needs to continue accepting that graft and so there's always some health issues there, isn't there? Yeah, the medication, the side effects from the medication I'm on now are way scarier than the ones I was on before. I never had really? any side effects. Obviously now, you know, transplant patients, you've got to worry about skin cancer, diabetes, yeah. I mean, I can't, everything, getting illnesses, you know. It's crazy, isn't it? Uh, but I feel way, way healthier than I ever have done. So, you know, swings it's around funny. the house. Yeah, it's funny. I'm, I'm, I'm not at that stage yet, but I know I will be. I'm certain of that, and I will feel healthier than I ever have done. Um, but it is funny. Like you have this kind of new lease of life, don't you? And you just go yeah. and grab everything, and um, it, it's, it gives you another opportunity. And I think you see the world in a different way, don't you? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah but definitely. the side effects, yeah, they're, they're frightening. Um, I, the, the way they say it, so. You know, where you factor 50, she gets skin cancer. It's just like, whoa, hang on a minute. What's yeah, hang on, hang on. I can't eat marmalade. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, yeah, it's big things to, for us to forever, you know, navigate. And it's, it's just part and parcel of the journey that we've been on. Yeah. That was one of the only times I cried during the whole transplant process was when they told me that I couldn't eat certain foods and I just burst into tears. That was like pushed me over the edge. I was like, yeah. I can handle no, everything same. else, but stop taking this food away from me. Yeah, you're going to have to cook your steaks well done. Yeah, I think <laughs> it was like, the cheese. So they said something about cheese and that was it. I was like, no cheese. Yeah, and honey, honey was a big one for me. Yeah. I was like, wow, really? Um, that, that like since now, I'll have like the honey from the supermarket because I know that's been heat treated. I just can't buy it raw now from a nice farm shop. But yeah, I have done recently things. to be fair, but I you took do. the risk. It's just nice. It's just I, like... I, I've gone back to medium steaks. I can't handle yeah. it. I'm never going to insult a chef and ask for a well done steak. No. I needed the steak. So, no. yeah. I think some things, um, the most important ones, aren't they, are the uh, lime, pomegranate, and grape, grapefruit. Isn't yeah, because they stop the, uh, yeah, stop the, yeah. the medication from actually working. Yeah. I think the yeah. funniest thing for me I found was they would come in, they'd go, your tacrolimus, it's your anti-rejection, it's your most important drug. Every morning, take this, take this, take this. Don't forget it. Always on time. And then they go, but on blood day, don't take it. Yeah. <laughs> <just> like, what? <laughs> You've just drained me to believe if I don't take this drug in the morning, I'm going to die. Yeah. Uh, but on blood days, I've got to wait until three. <laughs> Yeah, and then they said to me, because mine, I, I'd have to obviously travel all the way to London, have these bloods travel all the way home. They said, just take it at night. 
So for, for me now, like if I do forget it during the morning, I will just come home and take it in the afternoon or yeah, evening. Exactly, like, exactly. But you just so, think, wow, you like you really drill in how important yeah. it is. Like this one drug at the same time, time, at the same time, because <laughs> you can't leave the hospital either, can you? I don't know whether they no. did that. You like they make you take your meds in front of the doctors and the nurses, and they make yeah. you prove that you know what They're you're doing. In a safe. Yeah. Thing. It's just like what what are these things that I'm taking? And then yeah. comes the blood day. They really don't matter. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. It's crazy, but hey, we do we do as we're told. Yeah. Good. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, there was one thing that I just wanted to address because I know you do get a lot of people that are obviously interested in uh, becoming a liver donor, and I didn't know this at all. Uh, the the myth of that if you become a liver donor, the doctors will kill you to get your liver or your your organs. Like this, this is the most ludicrous thing I have heard, but I've heard people that actually believe it and have been told it, and you know, so. I yeah. think we just need to address that that is definitely not the case. Definitely, definitely not the case. Um, a lot of people think um, they're in, I, I don't know, let's pick an example. They've had a heart attack, they've had a car crash, whatever it is, and they're like they're really badly ill. They're in hospital and they think, oh, hang on, I've signed the organ donation register. That means the doctor's not going to work as hard yeah. on me because if I die, I'm going to save nine people. Yeah. It's really not the case. Like the patient in front of them is their number one priority and they'll yeah. do anything to save a life. Um, and if they can save that patient, great. They won't even think about organ donation until that. I doubt moment. the doctor they, would even know, to be honest. No, until... they don't. It's, not, it's, it's nowhere in their thought. and It's a whole different team that deals yeah. with it. Um, and the other thing a lot of people don't know is if they sign the register, um, they automatically, that's it, great, um, they're going to be an organ donor. Again, not necessarily. Now, you've got to die in a really specific, I hate that word, I always say the ocean instead of the word. Pacific, specific. Yeah. <laughs> um, you've got to die in hospital, in a hospital setting, because um, the, the minute you die um, and... I know we talk, you and I talk about death quite easily because we're so yeah. in tune with it. And people that watch this, listen to it, may find it quite difficult. And I apologize for that. But the minute you pass away, your heart stops. And that means the rest of your organs no longer are receiving oxygen or blood. And from that moment, your organs then start to die as well. Um, that organ is not going to be any good for us for a transplant situation. So you need to die pass away in a hospital setting where they can actually keep your heart pumping even after you are dead um whilst they look for a match to see if you, there is anybody on the list that that they would match for that particular organ um so it's not a given when you sign the register how at the minute with the the soft um opt-out sy system that there is when the law changed you don't even need to sign the register but the reason why we really encourage people to do that is because it gives a firm confirmation that you want to be an organ donor so if you haven't signed if you haven't signed it or opted out they will automatically assume you want to be an organ donor but if you haven't had a conversation with your family who are in that hospital going through their most hardest shocking moment which they never thought they would live through um they then are getting asked by this nurse that they've never met before do you know if they wanted to be an organ donor or not it's a really hard situation conversation to put your family members into yeah. so the campaign is register Go online, get, just Google organ donation registration. It will come straight up. Pop your wishes in there, whether you do or whether you don't. And it will also give you the option to um, 
say I, I I'm happy to give everything but I want to keep my eyes I'm happy to keep everything so but I want to keep my heart and there's different reasons why people will agree to some things and not other and that's absolutely fine it's your choice so go on there and register in or register out and then tell your family I do or I don't want to be an organ donor um it just it's just stops one of the hardest conversations being made once you've passed away and you've done it with them before whether that be 50 40 10 5 years before it actually happens yeah, yeah it's it's just really important to have that conversation and see it as a way of doing something for your family you know it's hard to have the conversation with them because you're talking about something that you never want to happen um but at the same time what you're doing for for them is you're making a decision very easy if it were to happen um, yeah. and, and they were there at the hospital when you know the hardest moment ever you know came to fruition yeah so. yeah it is a hard it is a very hard uh situation to talk about obviously talking about dying but um yeah. it doesn't even need to have to be a really deep conversation does it really just throw it in and yeah. yeah i'll be having cheesecake pudding you know? yeah 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 you really can just throw it in like that and all use use an example i mean I, I know Coronation Street, they did a very, very bad and it, it, in the community. Everyone went up in arms about the the recent liver transplant story. I haven't that seen that. I didn't watch it. Um, uh, but yeah, it, apparently it, it wasn't very realistic. But even that, you know, did you see that storyline on Coronation Street? Yeah, yeah, if it ever comes to it, I'm happy to be a donor or it's not for me. And that's yeah. it. End of conversation. That's fine. And it's, it's just like you say, it's a really simple thing that you can just say really quickly and just get it over and done with or you can have that in-depth conversation and, you know see what your family's views are all about yeah. um you know you, you could save a life yeah well, us two have been saved yeah which is incredible yeah yeah absolutely well i i was one of those i didn't realize how poorly i was i don't know about you um, oh, that was definitely me yeah, I was like, no, no, no. I brought everyone before me on the list to go before me. I'd hate to be called before anybody else. I'm, I'm really not that bad. I was getting really skinny. I was becoming skeletal. I was getting more yellow. Um, obviously, I had this drain coming out of my nose. So you just get used to it, don't you? And yeah, yeah. You say, you're fine, you're fine, you're fine. Um, but actually, and to me, I was like, I'm getting transplanted because I've got an itch. That's how it was in my head um, yeah. and how it was originally discussed. But when the surgeon came and saw me, the first time I met my surgeon afterwards, he actually said, um, your liver was huge. It was Did massive. you see pictures? No, I didn't. And uh, mm. I've asked and I haven't seen them. I did see the liver when I walked into the theatre. My what new the... liver. Did you? Yeah, yeah, wow. they were working on it. And I said, is that, is that my new liver? And they said, yeah. Hi. Yeah, it's like, wow. You know, That's madness. Um, uh, but he said your liver was huge. Your call came at the right time. Um, you, the information, he said it was it was in a bad way. It was yeah. in a worse way than even what we expected. Um, yeah. So you you were right because I took a DCD liver um, rather than the gold standard. It was what was available at the, you know what the match that came in. Um, so I said you, you were right to say yes. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Wow. Well, I'm aware that I've nearly kept you for an hour, so... Uh, <laughs> I talk a lot, I'm sorry. It's good. It's been great chatting to you. It's been really yeah, good. Like sorry. I say, I mean, it's so good to sort of um, see people's journeys on Instagram and through social media and then finally have a chat with them and 
yeah then, as, I, as i said when we first connected um i feel like i know you already so yeah. it's great. make sure you go on holiday again soon please i'm not much traveling yet so i need to i need to live through everybody else's holidays yeah you'll be able to go soon though that's yeah. that was one of the things that um you know i was worried about is would i be able to travel after transplants yeah. and everything and um yeah it's nice being able to share that you know with people and for, for people to see see that yeah. the, the opportunities after exactly and i guess is that was it nerve-wracking going away or were you quite relaxed about it do you know what it wasn't until i got there the first night in panama and i got a little bit of a tummy ache for whatever reason there was no real reason but in my head it was like oh my god i'm now hours miles days away from home yeah, you weren't I've got a stomachache what's it gonna be yeah and then after the first night, you know, when it went away, I was very cautious about what I ate there in Panama. Um, I've travelled before to Thailand and stuff, and I ate all the street food. Did get food poisoning, but this time I was like, I'm, n I'm not even going to risk it, you know. Yeah, well done, you. Yeah, yeah. it was. It's not, it was... it's not as if you were like two hours from home or no. you know, from the nearest transplant unit or no. something. You did no. go quite out. At, you know out and yeah. wild didn't you yeah <laughs> panama so it was it was yeah a couple of days travel away but yeah i mean after that first night of sort of unsettled nerves you know it was fine and then then you just forget you know yeah yeah good well good. I, I look forward to my first trip away whenever that will be and uh I, and I will go back and i will look on instagram to for all the community that are traveling and put myself at ease and go this is gonna yeah. be fine you, you know take, it, take a good stock of drugs with you and that's uh, it yeah, some in the hand luggage, some in the suitcase in case you get stuck. Oh, from we put them everywhere. Luggage. Hannah's bags, okay. like my girlfriend's bags, my bags, every single bag we had, we had tablets in. Like that yeah. was that was the main thing. That that's it, isn't it? As long as you've got your anti-rejection with yeah. you, you've got you've got time at yeah. the end of the day. So yeah, exactly. no, that's good. That's good. That's good. That's good to know. Well, yeah. thank you so much, Lisa. I'm going to say goodbye now and let you get on with your day. Thanks, Danny. It was absolute pleasure talking with you and nice to meet you yeah lovely to meet you I'm, I'm sure we'll meet up are you coming to the transplant games at some point unfortunately not this year Hopefully not this year. year yeah 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 obviously way too soon for you to be out you, running and stuff. this year i am yeah hoping to yeah i've, I've signed oh, up wow. for everything so have you yeah yeah for, you for kings. And see what you get. well i signed up for the 100 meters and a few other events um i haven't heard back yet so i'm not really sure how it all works but yeah it's my first year doing it. I'm well, just excited. I just want to go along and see everyone them. and yeah, just go along and yeah, say hello yeah. to everyone. Well, I'll see you at Transplant Games 2023. Yeah, brilliant. Thank you, Lisa. Take care. Perfect. Bye bye.